Welcome back to yet another episode of the Through the Banner podcast. My name is Casper Cloud, and it's an absolute honor to have on the episode today, or technically tonight, MVD for his first episode of the season. MVD, how are you? Good to have you back. Thanks very much, Casper. Great to be back, mate. Uh, looking forward to another ripping season of AFL footy and uh, another ripping episode of uh, Through the Banner podcast, mate. Always a pleasure to have you on. This is a monster episode because not only are we going to discuss round two and round three of the AFL season, but we are also going to dive into a little bit of an AFLW finals preview. The nine weeks of the season are done, six teams remain, and it's a very even ladder, very even ladder. Only one, uh, actually, it's not even one game. It's just percentage that separates first from fifth. That's how even the competition is. That's how top-heavy the competition is. And honestly, out of those top five teams, I reckon any of them are a good chance to win this year's premiership. But basically, with this AFLW Finals, we'll discuss the first two games of the finals, which are this weekend, and then we'll give our predictions who we think are going to win, by how much and why, and then we'll give our overall premiership prediction for the final. First off, we'll start with this weekend's games. Starting off at Victoria Park, Collingwood versus North Melbourne. I'm so excited for this one, MVD. Um, if I may, I'll start off on this one, if that's all right. Well, means, mate. Go ahead. I think Collingwood's going to win. Collingwood were the best team in the competition until round seven. Undefeated, the last team to remain undefeated this season. They handed North Melbourne their lowest score in not only AFLW history, but the entire history of the club with 0-8 early in the year. First time, I believe, in AFLW history that the Kangaroos have been kept goalless. Last year in the final series, North Melbourne won by two points. Collingwood has matured since then. North Melbourne, a little bit lucky to make finals. Collingwood, unlucky after such a great season for the majority of it. Bad last two or three weeks, hence why they're not in the top two. I'll say this. I think Collingwood are too talented. I think their players are too good. Their leaders are too good. Brianna Davey and Steph Kiochi especially. I think Collingwood are going to win. It's going to be a close one. I think the final margin, 15 to 20 points. How about you, MVD? I think you're right. It's going to be an absolute ripper this game. Uh, 3-10 at Victoria Park, Collingwood North. Uh, does it get much better than Saturday afternoon football uh, between two bitter rivals? Um, I don't think it does. The only way it could be better is if it was like an Essendon Collingwood or something like that. <laughs> Collingwood are coming off a huge loss last week, though, to the Adelaide Crows. Um, well, I say huge, 14 points. It's still massive in in the grand scheme of things. Um I agree with you, Brian Davey, uh, Steph Kiochi are going to be huge for them and work their way through it. But they're going to have to quell at some point the um, the influence of Emma Carney uh, for North Melbourne. She's just an absolute gun coming through the middle and picking up possessions at will. I think she had something like 28 possessions uh, in the Ruse one-point win over Fremantle at the weekend. So um, she's one to keep an eye out for uh, in regards to it as well. But they're, sorry, uh, stand corrected, 24 possessions. Um, the Randall sisters, um, 
and looking forward to seeing how they go. Ash, uh, sorry, uh, sorry, it was Talia Randall and Ash Riddell. Riddell, 33 touches on the weekend. How impressive is that uh, for the, uh, the women's game? They do a great, they do, it's amazing numbers for anyone, but especially with, uh, with the uh, advent of the women's game, the way it's going as well. So I think this is going to be a really close one. I'm going to go the other way. I'm going to go North Melbourne to Ooh. reverse that reverse that one layer to last uh, at last start because, uh, well, you, you got to win one. Uh, what is it? Lose one to win one in a lot of ways. So um, the fact that Collingwood are coming off uh, a loss to Adelaide in Adelaide as well, so they've had to travel back. North Melbourne have just are just staying in Victoria, and where, the way everything's gone, I think it's probably a good idea. So. I'm I'm going to go with the kangaroos. Big call, mate. I like it. I like it. I like that we've gone different because it shows how even the competition is. Well, I'll and go with I, an, I'll go with another stat for you then. Okay, North, go for North Melbourne have won four of their last five games. Collingwood have just won three of their last five. Ooh. Am I going to change my? Does that does that make me change my tip? No, it doesn't. I still I have confidence in the pies. Uh, I hope it's a good game of football. Because the problem with such a top-heavy competition is that you get a lot of games that are lopsided, which we've seen this year. But mm. you also get a lot of games that are really, really close, as we've seen between the uh, between the best teams this season. You mentioned that North Melbourne Fremantle game, one of the best games of the year. Absolute thriller went down to the wire, and that knocked Carlton out of the finals, which is always great because Carlton out of the finals, it's just always fantastic, no matter in the <laughs> AFL or AFLW. Uh, this. Next game should all. I never be thought I'd hear. I never thought I'd hear an Essendon supporter say that he was happy to see North Melbourne. Ah, uh, sorry, Collingwood beat the side too. By the way. Yeah, look. Uh, I don't know what it is, but I kind of feel because Essendon's not in the AFLW, I feel a little bit more. Uh, comfortable. I don't want to say, yeah, I feel more comfortable with you know Essendon's traditional rivals doing well in the AFLW, but as soon as Essendon get a team in there, you can kiss this Casper goodbye to to Conrad <laughs> Carlton. He is out of here. On to the next game. This is going to be an absolute mammoth one. These two teams only played a couple of weeks ago. Melbourne won a thriller over in WA against Fremantle. It's Melbourne versus Fremantle in Victoria this time at Casey Field. This is an interesting statistic, I think, right? Melbourne have done better than Fremantle this season in most key statistical areas. 256 more disposals than the Dockers, averaging more than 30 disposals per game, more than Fremantle. They've kicked more goals this year. They've taken more marks comfortably. That loss that the Dockers had in Perth, it was just the second time since I believe the 2018 season that Fremantle had lost at home. Consider that for a second. It's an incredible statistic to go through 2019, 2020, and then most of 2021 without losing at home. An impressive streak. Mm. But then to lose to Brisbane and then to Melbourne almost immediately after that, like I think it, 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 it speaks to how good this Melbourne team is. They have a lot of injury concerns. Most presently, Daisy Pierce. She's going to be a massive loss. Yeah, for sure. However, MVD, you mentioned the form of North Melbourne and how good it is coming into the finals compared to Collingwood. How about this for two opposite forms? Melbourne, 
crushed the Saints, crushed Adelaide, beat Fremantle by five points, and upset the Lions by two. I remember when the fixture was announced for their final three games of the year, and people were looking at it. I remember looking at it going, geez, the Ds are going to really struggle to make it. You know, Adelaide, Brisbane, Fremantle, that's a, that's a tricky stretch. And yet they managed to cruise, well, not cruise through it, but they managed to get through it without a loss, which is super impressive. Great momentum heading into the finals. Fremantle, on the other hand, since losing to Brisbane, they beat West Coast. Whoop-de-doo. Yes, it's a good win, but it's West Coast. You know, the Eagles aren't a good team in the AFLW. They, they did beat the Blues in one of the games of the year. Kicked, I believe it was like three or four goals in the final six minutes. Great comeback. But then you lost to Melbourne. And you lost to North Melbourne. Two bad losses coming into the finals. Melbourne, three great wins. I think momentum will carry Melbourne forward. The Demons to win. Melbourne almost feel like a team of destiny. Almost. Almost. I think there's a lot of uh, pressure on the Melbourne Demons uh, side at this point in time. They've got some good players that they've had for some time now, and they haven't been able to turn it into, into wins. Daisy Pierce is a huge out. I don't care who you are. That is a massive out for the for the side. So Lily Mithin's going to have to step up and 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 try and fill that some of that void. Um, Madison Gay up forward is going to have to try and get a uh, get some more goals as well. But uh, I remember sitting back and actually watching this game between Fremantle and Melbourne uh, a couple of weeks ago, and Roxanne Rue, Rue uh, the centre half forward for Fremantle, absolutely sensational her I think there was about a five minute patch there where she kicked a couple of goals and as uh, Frio were trying to come back and try and uh, win that game and actually got them in front there for a while but the fire in the belly with some of these uh, some of these women is just unbelievable they, they're out there they want to win they just want to win and they, their will to win is probably what gets them across the line in a lot of ways um, interesting to note Gemma Horton has kicked 14 goals, which is equal second most for the season behind Darcy Vessio with 16. Um, the next, the, the highest Melbourne goal kicker is Katie Hall with 11. So there's, uh, if you're looking at numbers by way of getting things done and prevalent forwards, that's, they're your two prevalent forwards in that respect and Fremantle are finding a way to uh, their forward a bit, bit better. So, I, it was won by Melbourne over in Fremantle this uh, by five points last time. I reckon it's going to be a similar margin, but I reckon it's going to be the other way, just because it's well because it's a KFC Fields. Melbourne do have the momentum, but if they and if they do lose, there's going to be a heap of heat coming on that that football side in the, um, in the off season. That's for sure. I agree with you. They 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 always had this massive expectation. Melbourne, I guess, being you know one of the pioneer. Yeah, and that's, and that's why I think that's why there's been that expectation because they have been a pioneer club. They played all these matches against Western Bulldogs for so many years. And now that there's an actual AFLW game, uh, an AFLW season, they haven't fired a shot. It's been Adelaide. It's been Brisbane. It's been these sort of sides. They're the ones that have really... Even the dogs. Even, yeah, even the dogs. In, in, like I think this is probably one of the first times that Melbourne's finished higher on the ladder than Western Bulldogs. So... I think they, there's a lot uh, of interesting uh, conversations to be had at Melbourne if they can't get the win on the weekend. But uh, I also like the uh, the flair of the Frio Dockers. They're doing a fantastic job. 
yeah, I will say that when Fremantle get a run on, they are the most dangerous team in the AFLW, that's for sure. Two cracking matches. Now, six teams in it, NVD, only one can walk away with the AFLW Premiership Trophy in hand. Who will it be this year? Well, last year it was Brisbane, wasn't it? So, And uh, I think a couple of years beforehand, it was uh, the Adelaide Crows. So, Actually, the Crows, the Crows have won it twice. Yep. And the Dogs have won it once. Lions haven't won oh, it. Oh, right. Yet. So the Dogs, uh, Lions played Adelaide last year. And uh, that's bad by me. I apologise. Um, I, I think it might be Brisbane's turn this year, to be honest, the way they're going about it. But it, I think it'll be an Adelaide-Brisbane grand final again, to be perfectly honest. I like it. I like it. I think, truthfully, I think it's Adelaide's AFLW premiership to lose. And I I dislike saying that, not because I dislike the, well, I mean, I do dislike the Adelaide Crows, but not because, you know, I think Adelaide's an unworthy win or anything like that. Because I like to see if, if I don't have a team that I support in a competition, I like to see kind of, um, you know, a, a, an evenness. Mm. In, in, in who wins the premiership. And Adelaide, in the early stages of this AFLW competition, has been by far and away the most dominant team throughout. And to see them winning a third premiership, consider this, only by the end of this end of the month, four premierships would have been contended. Three of them would have been won by the Crows, if I am correct, which is absolutely incredible. And full kudos to every single one of those Adelaide players, especially to Aaron Phillips, who I think is easily staking her claim as one of the best athletes in this country in any sport. She is absolutely incredible. I watched her play. I was in Sydney Hotel Quarantine, and I watched her play against Brisbane. It was a big game. Both teams came into it without a loss. And it was in Brisbane, I believed, and I remember I thought that the Lions would be too good. And Adelaide kicked six goals that day of which Erin Phillips kicked four. Mm. Like she is the definition of a match winner. If you look through the dictionary and you look at the definition of a match winner, there will be a photograph of her. For sure. So a very interesting AFLW Premiership season race indeed. And I'm so looking forward to the grand final. Now I apologize. Uh, I must apologize. Here, Casper, Adelaide Brisbane was the first season, Western Bulldogs Brisbane the second season, and Adelaide Carlton in the, in the 2019. They didn't award it last year, and that was my fault in regards to that. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be huge. Um, hmm. But, yeah, for Adelaide to have had two two wins already, uh, it's massive. And I think yeah, for the sake of the game, I think I'd like to see someone else win it as well. But at the same time, there is some ripper players in that Adelaide lineup, and you just have to shake your head at times with some of the depth, uh, the depth of talent. Absolutely incredible football team. On to the second round of the AFL men's season. Basically, in this section, dear listener, if you are new to the podcast, MVD and I, we're just going to review the round that happened. We'll discuss our top two highlights, top two lowlights. And then we'll get into some of the big talking points to come out of the round. First, I'll start off with you, MVD. What are your top two highlights of round two, 2021? 
Uh, I'm going to go slightly different tact in a lot of ways. I think, um, firstly, I'm going to say the highlight of having Buddy Franklin back on the park. I think he's fantastic. It's great to have him there. Um, and really excited to see him back out there. I think for the sake of everyone, I think we want to see him kick, what, another 56 goals or something like that. So he's, he's he kicks a 1,000 considering we don't think we'll ever get to see that again. I think uh, if he gets the opportunity to do that, that would be fantastic. Um, the other highlight for mine or on the weekend was uh, the close scores between a few in the few games. Uh, the Geelong-Brisbane game, which I'm sure we'll talk about a little bit later, but also the Western Bulldogs-West Coast game. And I suppose as a, as a part to that, the new rules seem to be working. They seem to be tiring pit lokes out. They seem to be trying to uh, getting people back out on their feet. I think it's it's actually um, really exciting to see and, and hopefully um, we give it that little bit extra time and I say we we as a public or in that respect give the rules a chance to, to grow and to mould into what the AFL want them to be. Um, so I kind of give you gave you three there mate but uh, I think we, we look at it and go you know what I think all in all it's it's football's for want of a better term football's the winner totally agree mate there were some classic matches this round one of the ones i don't think one of the ones that could have been a lot closer was definitely the sydney adelaide game had the crows mm. kicked straight it could have been very dicey for uh, swan supporters but i gotta say as a sydney supporter watching sydney's forward line fire is a thing of beauty because even in our premiership years, our forward line was never our strength. It was always our defense. And so to see Sydney with now such a plethora of attacking options inside our forward line and it actually working as opposed to last year where it broke down in the midfield and then we got caught out on the rebound. This year, our pressure is, is proving our forward line beneficial and to have Buddy back kicking three goals. Oh my goodness. I can't, I remember watching it and I can't remember who it was. It may have been, um, it may have been Mills or someone. It probably wasn't Mills, but it was someone Parker kicked it inside forward 50 towards Buddy and one of his Swans teammates almost got in the way of him. But at the last minute, he pulled down his hands and Buddy was able to take a chess mark. And I remember thinking, that's a clever man. That is a clever player who dropped his hands there because if he took that goal off of Sydney, off of Buddy Franklin, there would have been a riot at the SCG. That's for sure. For sure. Good death, Buddy Beck. Golden, McDonald, Reed. It just such a, an incredible forward line. And it's a threat to anyone. Like I'm looking at this game against Richmond and I'm excited. I'm expecting the exact opposite of last year's dour, low-scoring contest. And it should be an absolute beauty, but I'm getting too far ahead of myself. I'll get onto the second highlight, which is Collingwood. I was very negative of Collingwood during that first episode. I remember reading after the Dogs game an afl.com.au article that basically asked, where is Collingwood going to get their score from? How dangerous is Collingwood's forward line. And it turns out that if you don't put enough pressure on Collingwood, their, their forward line is very dangerous. 
Consider this. They out-tackled Carlton by 24 and yet won the disposal count by 25, despite conceding more than 12, uh, sorry, 12 more inside 50s. They put 71 points on the board by half time, which were three goals more than their entire score during the Bulldogs game. And it's a fantastic night. And to do that against your arch enemy who needed to win, yeah, that's a fantastic night for Collingwood. Answer is they can kick a score. Question is now, can they do it consistently? And that has always been the big, big knock on Collingwood of late, hasn't it? Mm. Mm. Very true. Very true. Now on to our top two low light MVD. I'll start off this one. Yeah, I'll let you go. And... So this might take a bit of a it might take a bit of a time and uh I think you've got some eviscating to do, haven't you? <laughs> Look, right. I I know, I know, I know that you're expecting me to come out and absolutely crucify the bombers for their loss against Port Adelaide. But truth of the matter is, I'm trying to be optimistic, right? We were trailing at halftime by 41 points. We only lost the second half by 13 points. Imagine if we showed up an hour earlier. (laughs) It could have been a closer game. Imagine, right? But no, my negative is about our injury list. And I know, I know, I know all teams have injuries, but when you're as young as we are and at the start of yet another rebuild don't know if it'd be a long one don't know if it'd be a short one who knows to lose Cordwell Draper and Shield in the same game for anywhere between six to eight weeks when we have a brutal fixture coming up we play St Kilda this weekend Sydney in Sydney Brisbane at the moment in Brisbane we don't know if they'll be moved or not because it's a cluster hopefully it won't be hopefully that will be played in Brisbane Collingwood at the MCG after that brand that day. Carlton, the Giants in Sydney uh, before we finally play North Melbourne. No offense, North Melbourne supporters. Uh, oh, no, then we play Fremantle. There, there, there's no respite from round three to round nine, right? I'm looking at it. I'm going, there's nothing. There's no sure victory for us. There's only sure pain. That's what there is. To lose all those players, Hurley still seems a mile away, although he does seem to be getting better. Thank goodness. Ambrose, no idea when he's returning. The package might be back, but yet again, he might get another week in the VFL. I don't know if this is the football gods still punishing us for the for the drug saga. I don't know what it is, but if the football gods are listening, Essendon supporters have had enough. Please, <laughs> please. We've had to put up with all of the drug saga jokes. We've had to put up with all of the, the disappointing finals losses. We've had to put up with the now 17th plus. It'll be an 18th year next year without winning a final. And now this injury curse. We're just asking for respite, please. Second low light, the Giants, a team that I will happily eviscerate. <laughs> You're telling me that this team played in a grand final two years ago? Really? I can't tell. The end margin flattered the Giants. Consider this. Losing by 31 points to a team that lost their best player in that five due to concussion in the middle of that game flatters you. 
that is where your team is at, GWS supporters. And all I can say to it, your team sucks. Get used to it, Giants fans. Get used to it. This is where you're at. Welcome back to the dungeon of the AFL. Fair enough. Fair enough. Good call. Good call uh, in respect to that. Um, I I can't. Uh, I know we'll talk about it a bit later on, so I'll save it for then when I go into that. Uh, one of the lowlights for me on the weekend was the last, what is it, two minutes of Friday night footy and seeing the umpires completely put the whistle away. And I'm not an umpire basher uh, and I don't like doing it, but you look at it and go, okay, was he blindsided? Yes, maybe, but at the same time, Surely there's someone else that could have, one of the other umpires on the ground could have actually said, hey, mate, he didn't dispose of that ball correctly. And we wouldn't be talking about it. Like, there'd be literally no conversation about it because at the same time, we're, we we don't... The, this I had a discussion with someone about this uh, over the weekend. And I said, we need to... If this had been on the wing... It would have been paid every day of the week. The, the, the non-incorrect disposal rule um, on, at the last couple of minutes of the Brisbane-Geelong game. If it had been earlier in the week, uh, like in the on the wing, it would have been paid every day of the week. If it had been earlier in the game, it would have been paid every day of the week. Why do umpires go to water in the last five minutes of a, of a really tight game? That's where they should be earning their money. So... That for my for mine was the low light, and the fact that it happened in the last five minutes of the game is the reason why we're talking about it today. Still, in regards to it, uh, but I'm not going to keep going because I'm sure everyone's had enough of listening to it and people bashing doors down and all that sort of stuff about it. The other low light I'm going to go with um, is Carlton. I was so pumped for them. On Thursday night, I thought it's going to be an absolute ripper game, but the same issues arise again. And a slow start, followed by a close comeback, followed by not getting getting oh so close, and then falling down with ten minutes to go. I was so dis- I was so excited for this game between Carlton and Collingwood. I picked Carlton last week, and to be perfectly honest, I was like, "You beauty! This might be an act- this might be." I was getting excited for Carlton supporters, to be honest. And then they put out that, and I don't know what it is, but maybe they need to tell them that the game starts at like, what is it? Where what what when are they playing this week? Uh, just quickly flicking through three twenty at yeah three twenty at Marvel. Maybe they need to tell them it starts at two twenty. I don't know, but um, and for them to do that, so I was just it flattened me to be perfectly honest on Thursday. I just, I don't know what it was, but it just did. So, anyway, they were my two lowlights for the weekend. Imagine being a Carlton supporter. The only thing more sad than being an Essendon supporter. I would feel sorry no, for Carlton supporters. You could be supporters. a GWS supporter or a North Melbourne supporter. Yeah, that's true. Oh, that's true. Okay, maybe we should stop talking about this. I'm going to make myself too sad. <laughs> Moving on to the major talking points that come out of round two. Actually, do you know what? Let's let's talk about Brisbane. Let's talk about Brisbane. Let's talk about Carlton. 
very interesting article came out on the AFL website at the end of round one by Riley Beveridge. And it talked about how since 2010, I'm quoting from the article here, since 2010, a total of 58 sides have suffered the disappointment of a zero and two start since 2010, with only five of them going on to play finals before, end quote. Later on in the article, it discusses that the only team in the last 45 years to win the premiership after going zero and two were North Melbourne in 1999. So it can, right. my, my major question is, can Brisbane defy history to not only make finals, but win the premiership? Can Carlton defy history to make the top eight MVD. Well, to be perfectly honest, records are there to be broken and moments are made like, yep, no team in the last 48 years has ever made it to wherever has done it and all that sort of thing. I, I was at an athletics day today and I saw a 23-year-old record broken um, quite comprehensively in a high jump event that I didn't think was ever going to be broken, but it got broken today. So I'm just looking at it going, well, records are there. They can be broken. Um, so why not? Why, why not? Like there's no time like the present to try and get going. I can't, uh, I, I'd like to see Carlton getting in and they, and I did hear a, a comment throughout the week, throughout the weekend that um, one team generally comes from outside the top eight and flies into, say, the top four, I believe is what it is, um, in the last however many years. That's probably going to, in a lot of ways, that could be Sydney this year. Brisbane, I'd like to see, I reckon that Brisbane will still make the finals. I don't see, if Carlton can't fix up what's going on to start off with, I can't see them making the finals this year. I think we need to look at um, getting them to, uh, if if they finish ninth, I think they're doing really well, but yeah, we're going with, uh, I, I don't see Carlton. I, yeah, I can't see Carlton making the finals at this stage. And if they do, I'm happy to have eggs uh, cracked all over my face. I think the next two weeks are going to be massive for Carlton because they're two games that they should win. We'll get into the Fremantle game coming up, but that Fife is not going to be playing. You're playing a Fife less Fremantle at home in a game that you should win against a Dockers team with an injury list longer than the Amazon River. You should win that one. True. And then you play the Gold Coast Suns, yeah. another team that you should win. Massive two weeks. $1.45 for they start. If you just look, look at this, the odds, $1.45 they start favourites against Fremantle as we speak, sit here now. If they lose to Fremantle, I'm calling it early. Finals is they're they're not going to make it in 2021 if they can't get past Fremantle this weekend. Brisbane, I, I completely think, agree. I think they're too good to have an O in that win column for too much longer. And I did tip them to win the premiership. I don't. I'm not. I'm not changing it just yet. I have a lot of faith in them. And I have a lot of faith in their system. I have a lot of faith in Chris Fagan. And I have a lot of faith in Lockie Neal 
Joe Danaher looks all right. He looks pretty good at the moment. They've just got to learn how to play four quarters of football, Brisbane. Because, mm. yeah, you could argue yeah. that the last two minutes cost them because of bad umpiring on Friday night. If they showed up in the first half, they wouldn't have had to, you know, drag it back in the last. I didn't say that that was what happened. I just said I was disappointed with the umpiring. No, 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 no. I, 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 I'm not, I wasn't saying that it was you. I was just saying that, you know, <laughs> I've seen that. I've seen that from, from certain football supporters, and that was certainly my reaction and my immediate reaction to the, to the final siren sounding on Friday night. Um, so can Brisbane make finals? Absolutely. Can Carlton make the finals? Uh, come back to me on that one in about a week, and I'll have an answer for you. Speaking of a team that has a massive few games coming up, Port Adelaide played the Crows twice in the preseason, played North Melbourne, played Essendon, passed all four. They're not even tests. They're like practice, practice exams with flying colours. The next few weeks, though, are absolutely brutal for Port. And it starts with the Eagles in Perth this weekend and is followed by the Tigers in Adelaide, a rematch of last year's awesome prelim final. We're going to find out a lot, I think, about Port Adelaide over the next few weeks. My question for you, MBD, is Port Adelaide set for a massive reality check? I'm going to say no. Um, I think they they were by far and away one of the best performed sides in the home and away season last year. I know with everything going on in the last little while, like with everything the way season panned out, I think they actually handled it pretty well and they actually did a very good job. I think they're, they're, they'll be there and thereabouts again, I think, when the whips start cracking um, in season 2021. I can't see them missing out on the top eight. I think that they will... Uh, they need to be on their best best behaviour. I think Aaliyah Aaliyah's fitted into that side very comfortably. Um, I, I And as much as it pains you to hear this, I think Orazio Fantasia's been a very handy inclusion for them as well. Um, so I, I don't think... I don't think they're going to get a re- reality check. I think they're going to play some really good football. And I wouldn't even be... I would would not even be surprised if they start favourites against Richmond. Yep, I would agree with that. Because Sound like no, you fell off the chair for a second because you didn't agree with it because I didn't hear anything from you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still here, don't worry. Still sitting on my chair, don't worry, I'm all good. That's yeah, right. People could, people could say that Port Adelaide, who is the power player in 2021 so far? You could also look at it and say, no offense, MVD. Who have Richmond played in 2021 so far? Right? Compar- I'm just saying comparatively, right? I'm not saying that your Hawks are bad this year. I'm just saying that compared to hey, most hey. competition. I'm know? okay. That's all right, mate. You don't have to, you're not eviscerating us, so it's okay. <laughs> give it, give it, give it a little bit. I'll be eviscerating the Hawks yet, I bet, this season. But Richmond and Port Adelaide. I'll jump it on the next week then. Hitting soft starts to the season in terms of picturing. So you could also look at Richmond and say, who have they played? Right? The Tigers haven't been tested yet. 
And so I think that coming to round four, depending on how round three goes, you could enter round four not knowing a lot about Port and not knowing a lot about Richmond. That being said, though, they are thus far the two most exciting teams in the competition. And I am so excited for that match. I agree with you. I think Port Adelaide can beat the Tigers. Uh, their fixture through until round nine is pretty tricky. Uh, after the Tigers game, they play Carlton at the MCG. They play St. Kilda in Adelaide at the Adelaide Oval, one of only two teams to beat them at the Adelaide Oval in 2020. They then play the Lions at the Gabba. They got crushed at the Gabba by the Lions last year. Showdowns, more often than not, are unpredictable. And the Crows look decent this year so far. And then they play the Bulldogs uh, at home. That's a bit of a tricky stretch. Do I think that they'll go through that stretch winless? Uh, sorry, uh, without a loss? I don't think so. Uh, I think they're probably going to lose a game in there. But I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if they if they go through that um, with a flawless record, come out the other side mm. with a big fat zero in the L's column. Port Adelaide set up beautifully this season. Uh, I said at the end of last year that they could do an Essendon in 2000 where we suffered a loss in the prelim final the year before that was heartbreaking that we most definitely should have won and came back and we dominated the competition. And so far... Port is sticking to that, uh, sticking to that theme. Now, conversely, I want to talk about three teams at the other end of the ladder: GWS, Essendon, North Melbourne. The three worst teams in the competition so far this year. And I don't think that's an exaggeration to say that they have all been utterly, <laughs> utterly, utterly awful. For different reasons, just utterly awful. My question for you, MVD, is which team out of those three is in a worse position going forward? All right, I'll answer a question with a question. How many of those teams are, as they term, rebuilding? Uh, me, I would say North Melbourne's rebuilding. Yeah. You say I reckon North Melbourne's rebuilding. Essendon's, re- Essendon's probably on a rebuild. Um, and for, I suppose, to a lesser extent, Carlton's rebuilding. GWS have topped up and topped up. Yes, they've lost a couple of players. But at the same time, they are sitting there with, as people like to say, Ferraris in the, in the garage with nowhere to drive. They are in, in struggle town and then, and Leon Cameron, Leon Cameron, Leon Cameron needs to find out some way of getting these boys to be all singing from the same hymn sheet before it's too late. I mean, they've got Melbourne this week and I'll tell you what, it's going to be a really, really tough go for them because they've got, um, thankfully for them, it's a Canberra because they actually play Canberra pretty well. But at the same time, Melbourne's sitting, coming into it with two and I went absolutely flying. So for mine, I would say, and I'm glad if anyone wants to call me out on it and say, no, someone else is in a worse position, I would turn around and say GWS were. Yeah, 
Yep, I would agree with that. I would also add on that GWS out of those three were really the only team with expectations that they would perform at least somewhat decently this year after the disappointment last year. And to be perfectly honest, I think that's what's, sorry, sorry to cut you off, but I reckon that's exactly what I'm getting at. They were the ones with expectations. They're the ones that's expected to have won a grand final by now. They're the ones that are, uh, have got everything going for them. Then they're not going to um, get there if they can't do it. Like if something happens, they're, they're the ones that are going to be the ones that are going to, well, the, the coach is going to be under more tr- stress than the rest of them. I agree with that one. Looking at their fixture, right, it's, it's really tough. They play the Demons in Canberra. They play Collingwood at the MCG. They then play the Swans in the Derby at the SCG. The Dogs in Canberra. Now, the Dogs and the Giants always play fantastic football against each other. But the Dogs are flying this year. The Dogs are absolutely snarling. And the sound from the west of the town. Through and through. Minuscule. Adelaide at the Adelaide Oval, which is proving to be a tricky preposition so far this year. The Bombers, the Tigers in Melbourne, although thankfully for the Giants, not at the MCG. The Eagles and then the Lions before finally playing North Melbourne. And even that's in Tasmania. The Kangaroos play Hobart really well. Like the Giants play Canberra really well. The Kangaroos play in Hobart really well. So I agree with you. The Giants are definitely in a lot of trouble. And I wouldn't be surprised if by the time that the Giants have their mid-season bye, that uh, Leon Cameron will uh, would have handed over the keys of the Ferrari to someone else. Oh, I don't think that will happen that quickly, but there'll be a heck of a lot of pressure on by that time if he hasn't got wins on the board. Absolutely. Would not want not- to be in his position. I'm not throwing the baby out with the bathwater just yet. Come and see me in 10 weeks, though. Yep, absolutely. Not not, not doing that, but the bathwater is being run. That's for sure. The bathwater is heating up. Now, uh, I know that you've touched upon this already. <laughs> I know you touched upon this already, but I do want to mention this. My question is, should there be repercussions for umpires who get easy, game-changing decisions wrong? So I asked this because I saw that the umpire association came out and they said that yes, we got it wrong, but the umpire won't be won't face any repercussions for it. Now, perhaps this isn't fair because this, you know, this. What re- uh, can I, What? Sorry, before you go into it, Casper, what repercussions do you want? That's the question I'm asking. What repercussions are there for an umpire that make a wrong call considering, and this is where I get defensive of the umpires, considering the some of the footballers have that many clanger kicks or operate at 60% efficiency ratings, whereas the umpires are probably operating at 95% efficiency rating, eat with every call, and they make one wrong call, and that's the one that gets jumped on. I... I I said I did say that earlier. It was disappointing, but at the same time, I'm like, how can this? How can we fix this? Or how can we make this better? What sort of repercussions do you want? Being dropped for a week. Hear me out. 
if a player has a bad I would have I would have thought that would have happened anyway. That's all that's all I'm asking for, right? Just a, some kind of drop in for a week, maybe two maximum, right? Like if a player has one bad night, you know, few clanging flu clangers, few turnovers, missed tackles. Coach drops them for a couple of weeks until they get to the level that they need to be at again. Then bring them back in. That's all I'm asking. And maybe it's not fair for the modified VFL to to have, you know, kind of the AFL's uh, leftovers when it comes to umpires. But maybe they do need to coach uh, to umpire a couple of VFL games. Like, you know, teams will send their players to the reserves. Send the AFL umpire to the reserves. Because here's the thing. I understand that the deliberate rule can be kind of confusing because, you know, sometimes they pay deliberate and it's a question of whether or not the teammate was close enough to the ball when it went out. It, you know, it can be a line ball decision. But that holding the ball, that has not changed, I'm willing to bet you, since 1858. It's been the same rule. You have to dispose of the football since 1858. Mr. Wills himself, the writer of the rules of our great game. If he was watching that match, he would have walked up to him on the field and he would have said, what are you doing, man? You know nothing of my rules. You know nothing of my sport. And look, umpires, I get it. It's tricky. I'm not saying that I could do it. I would make a lot of mistakes, okay? But here's the major difference. I've never umpired a game of AFL before. I've never umpired a game that hasn't been between a bunch of 12-year-olds before, all right? So I get... Monopoly. Hey, Monop those Monopoly games can get pretty tough. Let me tell you, those Monopoly games can get pretty heated up. But I look, right, so I, I'm, not I'm not saying that it's easy, but at the same time, I wouldn't be able to do it because I don't have practice, and you do. You've, you've umpired AFL games before. So you shouldn't be making those basic errors when it comes to simple rules like this can i just let the listeners know that he's talking to the umpire there not to me because i've never umpired a game of afl in my life so just passing that on to the umpires in that respect and yeah. i thought that's what you're asking for but i didn't know and i wanted to clarify in, the, in that regard casper so i think you've answered that very very nicely in, indeed Thank you. Thank you. Just yet. Yeah, so don't worry, MVD. You're, you're, you're umpiring. Your non-existent umpiring is off the hook for this week. Don't worry. Um, but look, umpires. Oh, umpires. It's a tricky game to umpire, right? I get it. There's a lot of rules. It's very fast paced, but it's not rocket science. Okay. You're not trying to send astronauts to Mars. All right. I'm just asking, please be consistent. Be consistent and don't make basic mistakes, right? If you take the majority of jobs and somebody makes a basic error like that, that causes a calamity, like the last 30 seconds of that Geelong Brisbane game, that person would be fired, fairly or unfairly. More often than not, they would be fired. So I'm just, I'm not saying that they should be fired. I'm just saying there should be a week or two break. That's all I'm saying. I, I want to throw this at you then. Umpires, like the AFL players are full-time athletes, correct? Very true. Umpires, 
Are they full-time employees? This is the I'm going to say no. Are they not? I don't believe that they are. So does that come into it? Do the um, does the AFL need to actually have full-time umpires where that is all that they do? Honestly, it's not a bad idea. Uh, oh, there you go. They're um, they're not full time. Huh. Oh, go figure. You're welcome. Um, there you go. There you <laughs> go. I, I mean, I've got. If you want, hey, if you want to come and learn how to umpire, I can give you. A, a, we're looking. There's some players or so, the leagues around this area. The, the the umpires and the GV are looking for umpires, so you're more than welcome to come and have a crack at it, mate. Hey, there you go. And to anybody who's a supporter of any of those teams up there in those leagues, I apologize humbly for the mistake that I'm going to make. Uh, <laughs> moving on from fashion umpires. I've got, I've got the, I've got our umpire coordinator's uh, phone number. I'll give, I'll pass your details on to him. Mate, appreciate it. Thank you so much. Uh, <laughs> me up deep. Moving on to round three, 2021. This is a monster round three for several reasons, highlighted by a mammoth, a mammoth Saturday afternoon clash at the MCG. Good to have Saturday afternoon back at the MCG, isn't it? It's just, I know it's been going on for a couple, but I just have to say, it's a thing of beauty. It's absolutely fantastic. I love having it back. But it starts off on Thursday night football. What was at the Gabba, now at Marble Stadium. So I assume that the Lions will play host to Collingwood later in the season. Correct. Because of the COVID situation at Brisbane, Collingwood hosted Brisbane at Marvel Stadium. I don't think the change in arena is going to make a lot of difference to the game. Point is, I think Brisbane is, has a better list than Collingwood. I think Brisbane's a better team than Collingwood. I think Fagan is a better coach than Nathan Buckley. Uh, yes, Collingwood supporters, I went there. You did. And I think Brisbane has more to lose by losing this game. And I know I said the exact same thing about Carlton next week, uh, last week, excuse me, but Brisbane aren't Carlton. Brisbane, I still think they're going to win the premiership. And if they, if they are to do that, they have to win this week. I'm steadfast in that belief. And that's why I'm tipping the Lions to win by 19 points. Yeah, happy Easter, everybody. Uh, Easter football is back upon us and we're looking forward to uh, what we have uh, in store for this week. I am, yeah, I am also going Brisbane. I don't, they're too good a side to be 0-3. So uh, I, I think they're going to bounce back uh, and get the uh, get the W this weekend. Um, I mean, yes, as you said, playing in Melbourne instead. They've stayed in Melbourne all week, so they shouldn't have anything to worry about in regards to travel. I think that they will uh, will get the win too, um, whether it's by 18, whether it's by 24, whatever, um, go from there. So, yep. Yep, I totally agree with you on that one, and I have a feeling I'm going to agree with you on this next game as well. It's good Friday football, once again at Marble Stadium, once again involving North Melbourne, and once again I think they're going to lose this fixture. Uh, if it gets the Western Bulldogs, the last time that these two teams clashed, on Good Friday. It was a thriller back in 2017, the first Good Friday clash in the AFL's history, especially between these two teams. It was an absolute belter with Lindsay Thomas missing 
on the siren to hand the dogs a narrow victory. That's not going to happen this time around, North Melbourne supporters. In fact, you might as well watch highlights from the 2017 and 2018 editions of these games because that's the only joy you're going to get this weekend. I think that the dogs are going to win and they're going to win by 51 points. They're going to get the chocolates on Easter Friday. It's going to be a good Friday, excuse me. It's going to be a comfortable victory for the Bulldogs. Yeah, as much as uh, much to the chagrin of my cricket club president who's going down to watch this game, which I wish him all the very best for, but I look at it and go, yeah, I think the Bulldogs will win this one and win this one comfortably. Latham Vandermeer stepping up uh, against the in last week uh, in last week's game against West Coast. I look forward to seeing how he goes as well. Should be very interesting. I, I tell you what, anyone knows how to stop Fontanpelli. Please send a note to the 17 other coaches. I'm sure they'd love to know your tips. On to the Friday night clash. Unexpected Friday night clash when this picture was released. Adelaide versus Gold Coast. Now, I'll admit, I looked at this game, being at the Adelaide Oval, I looked at this game and I thought when the picture was released, I thought this was a really peculiar Friday night clash. Mm. But Adelaide and Gold Coast, really? Do they deserve a Friday night time slot against each other? But what they've shown so far this year is that they, they do. They, they both play attractive brands of football. Here's why I think the Suns are going to win. I think they're more mature than the Crows. I think that the Crows struggle when a team gets a run on, like the Cats did in that second half, like the Swans did in the second and third quarters. The Suns proved against North Melbourne that they can get a run on, even as they suffered injuries, heartbreaking injuries, especially for Van Day. Oh, goodness, that player, just he cannot get enough. Um, you know, he, he just feels really sorry for players like Van Day. Just awful run of injuries throughout his career. Wish him which all the injured players, a speedy recovery. The Suns, too strong. I think it'll be a five-goal win. That feels a little bit too mean on the Crows, but I just think that the Suns this year, they'll challenge for finals football, and I'm confident on that, and I don't think the Crows are quite there yet. Uh, yeah, this is going to be a lot closer, I think, than people think. Um, I think Gold Coast are probably coming off... Being, Coming off a win against North Melbourne, yeah, okay, no problem. Is it coming off like a win against the bye? I don't know. Adelaide, if they could kick straight, gee, that could be anything, couldn't they? I'm back. Who are you backing in? You said the Suns, didn't you? Yeah, Suns. I reckon I'm going to back Adelaide. The weight of possession that they're getting, the the ball that's getting into Tex Walker. Um, what was it? Six goals, four on the weekend. Did he kick? Um, Something like that. Uh, out of, of eleven twenty-two, like seriously, they're they're getting enough of the ball in there. Um, and let me, I'm just trying to find what he actually kicked because he kicked six. He's leading the Coleman at this point in time, which I would not have picked. It was six goals, three. Um, and Shane McAdam kicked four goals too. So there you go. So you're getting enough of it in that respect as well. Um, efficiency inside 50, they're sitting at 60% when the AFL average is 59.4. And where is the inside 50s? If I can, they had 12 marks inside 50 as well. So they're they're not doing too bad in that respect. 
Um, they're going up against a good Sydney side, but it, like you said earlier, if they had a kick straight, who knows what it would have been. So I'm going to pick Adelaide, I think. I could totally see the Crows winning this. Truthfully, I know I took them to lose by five goals. I could totally see the Crows winning this. Mm. Both of these teams are super exciting. And the Crows, I think, at the Adelaide Oval, they're going to be a lot tougher to beat than they are away from the Adelaide Oval. It should be a good game of football. As should Saturday afternoon at the MCG, Richmond versus Sydney. Now, I have predicted three upsets this round, and this is the first one of them. The Swans are going to win against Richmond at the MCG by three points and a high-scoring epic will be not Buddy Franklin, but Logan McDonald after the siren, 45 metres out directly in front to stink the Tigers and give Richmond their first loss since the qualifying final last year against Brisbane. There's just... Uh, I had this feeling about... There was this aura about Brisbane early 2019, and there's aura about the Dogs in early in 2015, and the power in early 2013, when these teams that were poor the year before ended up finishing inside the top six the next year and I have the same feeling about these swans I don't know if it's just me being hopeful but by golly gosh these swans are exciting the one problem area for Sydney is this yes they can kick a high score but they also concede a very high score as well so this is a real test for them coming up against one of the best back lines in the competition can they maintain that high score while also making sure that they don't consider high score themselves? Because it's not, I think, a sustainable model for success. Maybe it is in 2021. I don't know. Football seems to be a lot more high scoring now than it was over the last few seasons. And it's great. All that being said, Sydney's going to win. Buddy's going to kick a bag. He's back at DMCG. Buddy is back. And when Buddy's back, the Swans are back. Ah, I'm excited. That's good. I think Richmond are going to win. <laughs> Just to put the uh, get the fire extinguisher out for that one. Uh, I think Richmond will do what Richmond do when they don't lose at the G. Good call. Good <laughs> Enough call. said on that one to put for mine. <laughs> That's a good call. I'm trying to think of the last. So the last time that they lost at the MCG would have been round three last year to you guys. And I know that, you know, they haven't played a heck of a lot of football at the MCG since then. But that's still a massive streak of days in between losses at the MCG. And you know what they say about streaks? Sooner or later, a streak has got to come to an end. And I think this streak is going to come to an end this weekend. On to Marvel Stadium, a game that I Didn't have- I say that earlier? Didn't I say that earlier in the episode? Yes, yes, you did. Yes, you did. A game that I am less excited about. For obvious reasons, Essendon versus St. Kilda at Marvel Stadium. I don't want to talk about this for too much longer. Thanks by 39 points. Could be a lot more. I would be surprised if it's less. MVG, you go. Yeah, I, I agree. St. Kilda by a few. Um, I think that forward line, it hasn't clicked yet, and I think it's not far off um, clicking. So uh, I'm going St. Kilda by, yeah, by about four to five goals. I'll say that. West Coast versus Port Adelaide Saturday night. Oh, sorry, oh, go wait, wait. Before, 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 before we Before we get on to the Eagles and the power, I want to say this. Essendon versus St. Kilda. If the Saints continue to vomit inside 50 aimlessly like they did against Melbourne, 
I can guarantee you that Essendon's backline is going to have a better day than they did last week. We're not going to win, yeah. but I'm saying the Saints have got to sort out how they get it inside 50. Because it was a disaster against Melbourne. It was just awful. You know, kick it towards where Max Gorn is standing. Surely that can't hurt us. You know, maybe don't do that. As you were just about to say, MBD, Eagles versus the Power at Optus Stadium in Perth. This game, the first time that the Power are going to be tested all year, the Eagles will be hurting after that loss to the Dogs. Can the Eagles rebound and the deal will the Power prove that their form is no clue? Uh, I'm going to say power probably just, although I could toss a coin three times and come up with six different solutions to this game because West Coast over in West Coast, I think the general rule is you tip West Coast. But Port Adelaide are flying at the moment and I think they're doing a, a pretty good job. I'm going to say Port Adelaide, but not with any real confidence at this point. I'm tipping the power as well. Uh, you say that you tip the Eagles in Perth, and that's normally a pretty good, pretty good um, uh, vein of form to follow. However, in 2019, the last time that these two teams clashed in Perth, the Eagles won by 42 points. And I'm pretty sure, I'm like mostly certain, that early in the 2018 season, they also played in Perth. And the power won that. So I don't think Optus Stadium holds any fear for the power. I'm sorry, they didn't play in 2018 in Perth. But nevertheless, that 2019 game stands tall over this match because of how much you don't beat the Eagles by seven goals over in Perth. But that just doesn't happen. But it did on that night. And a lot of those power players are still playing. And even scarier for West Coast supporters, a lot of those power players are now starting to grow up. Remember, they were kids when they did that. And now they're starting mm. to get up. They're starting to grow up. They're more mature. They're one of the best teams in the competition. That's why I'm tipping the power by 17 points. It'll be a close one, but the power to hold sway in a thriller onto Sunday. Second of three upsets. I'm tipping Fremantle to beat Carlton. Look, there's no good reason why I'm tipping the Dockers to win. At all. Except for the fact that I do not trust Carlton in the slightest. Carlton have done nothing to me to prove that they deserve to play finals before. And they haven't done anything to prove that this year they are a good team. And good teams win games like this that are given to them on a silver platter. So with all that, I think it's going to be close because the last few years, generally speaking, Carlton and Fremantle have played games really close. Fremantle by 11 points. Carlton go all in three. Oh, I'm hating tipping already this year. It sucks. <laughs> we go both ways this one and I don't enjoy it I'm going to go Carlton I think Fife is a huge loss 
Um, Mundy playing in front of his home fan, like home crowd, loves it when he gets back to back to Melbourne. Um, Fremantle got a lot riding on what what's going on there, and I think Longmuir has got them up and going really well. Carlton, it's either now or never, and for Carlton supporters, I hope it's now. Um, I, so I'm going to give them one more chance and tip them to win this one. They should win. Good. Hear that, Carlton? Should. Pressure is on you. On to, speaking of pressure, the Giants hosting Melbourne in the nation's capital. And I think it'll be Melbourne handing out the capital crushing. Melbourne by 58 points. It'll be a hammering. Hammering. Last time that I tipped the Giants. That's a capital punishment if ever I've heard one. Last time that I tipped the Giants in 2021 to send the win both of their opening matches. They let me down both times. That loss against Fremantle was abhorrent from GWS. Melbourne are flying. They had two potentially challenging matches against the Saints team that they, you know, kind of stay, they, 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 they tend to play really close matches against each other. But if you look at the last decade or so, the Saints have kind of had the wood over Melbourne. Hmm. versus Fremantle, right? They had an opportunity with the danger game. They went into that as favorites. You know, they've headed into round one NCG clashes against interstate teams before as favorites and lost in disappointing fashion, right? They can Port Adelaide in 2019 and 2013. Sorry, Melbourne fans for bringing that up. But this year, the Ds look really good and the Giants are the exact opposite of that, which is why I'm tipping Melbourne in a canter. MVD? Yeah, I'm going Melbourne. Probably not by as much as what you thought, but I'm going Melbourne as well. Um, Dees fans are up. And to hear the Dees fans up and about, you're like, yay, this is great. This is really what we want to hear. <laughs> not. Um, but... <laughs> Um, at least they're starting to put their uh, their Met Bullet trips off in September. So um, I, I, I'm going to say Melbourne to win. Probably not by 50-odd points, but maybe just 49. <laughs> oh, GWS supporters, all 10 of you. It's going to be a long weekend for you. That's for sure. uh, but there's a great sound from the west of the town coming through. There is, and that west of the town is the western suburb of the Melbourne, not the western suburb of Sydney. On to Easter Monday. This used to be the, the game that I think most neutral supporters would look forward to the most in the football calendar. Geelong versus Hawthorne. I've tipped two upsets already, and this is the third one. Hawthorne have really impressed me this year, with the exception of the second quarter against Essendon. Hawthorne have been really... Yeah, they've been pretty good this year. They took it up to the Tigers. I was really impressed. I thought that Richard were going to blow, blow them away. And the Hawks kept up, kept pace with them for, for most of that game. You know, I, I think as if I was a Hawthorne supporter, can you imagine me as a Hawthorne supporter? God forbid. But if I was a Hawthorne no, well, supporter... Go on. No, I was just saying, oh, well, I'm trying to imagine you as a Hawthorne supporter. It's not working too well. <laughs> No, I don't, I, don't, I don't even want to think about me as a Hawthorne supporter, to be honest with you. Oh, no, I put that thought in. I put that thought in my head. Ah. If I was a Hawthorne supporter, I would be super impressed 
with what my team is showing. The youngsters are stepping up and it's awesome, especially considering the injury list. Compare that to Geelong, a team with very little depth and the depth that they do have, it's filled by dads. It's the dad squad, the daddy team. And some of those dads won't be playing. Daisy Field out, Gary Rowan out. I think Smith is going to get a rough reception from his teammates at the MCG. And I think the Cats are going to be a little bit rattled. The Hawks to win in a, an interesting result, that's for sure. Ah, for sure. I think, you know, I think you're right. Um, again, talking to a friend of mine on the weekend, he was, uh, he said, we'll give him five goals. I'll give him five goals. They get uh, five goals. If they, if they get within five goals, then that's great to hear. They got what twenty? They went down by twenty-nine points against Richmond. So that's a good result for us at this point in time. Interesting to know that Will Days are going to miss a fair chunk of the season by the sounds of things with his ankle injury after last week. Um, Denver Granger Barris has not done his ACL, so that's probably good news. Uh, mm-hmm. Jack Gunson's about four weeks away, so can't wait to have him back. Um, but Chad Wingard is a test to play this week. So if he, if Chad Wingard gets in to that side, I think that'll be a massive inclusion uh, in regards to it as well. So uh, fingers crossed uh, we can get him back and, and playing some good football. I think if Geelong, if there's any chance of Hawthorne beating Geelong, I think this is it with no Dangerfield, no Rowan, um, no Jeremy Cameron. There's there's chinks there that we can actually uh, push uh, push the uh, the knife into a little bit. With Mitch Duncan is also out, Sam Goals out as well. Uh, so I think if and I'm obviously as a Hawthorne supporter, I'm going to be tipping Hawthorne nonetheless. But as a Hawthorne supporter, I actually think this is probably a, a, as good a chance as any to get uh, to get the Cats. It, I think it promises to be an exciting game. Now, MVG, I want to ask you two more questions. Which game is the one you are most looking forward to? And which game do you think is shaping up to be the blowout of the round? Most looking forward to that Hawthorne-Geelong game, just purely because they generally, no matter where the two sides are, are on the ladder, that generally has um, showdown. It has a showdown mentality. It's always a tight game. It's always close. And there's been that many that have been like within a goal. I think that would, for mine, would be the one. The blowout... Or the one I'm least likely to watch. Uh, probably the, to be, with all due respect, the North Melbourne Western Bulldogs one. I hope I'm wrong for North fans, but I think the dogs are firing at the moment and North are just there and thereabouts. So that's my opinion anyway. What do you reckon? I, well, you being a Hawthorne supporter, me, loving the Sydney Swans, I've got to go with the Richmond Sydney game. I'm really excited to see how the Swans go against the best team in the competition on their home ground. You know, when the fixture was released, I, I looked at the first three weeks and I was like, okay, Brisbane at the Gabba. Yikes. Uh, they were playing close at home. Okay, you know, we, we could win that one. And then the Tigers at the MCG. Wow. Okay. Um, yikes. If the Swans slip up against the Crows, there's a chance that they'll be 0-3. Again, to start the year. But 
full kudos. They're two and zero oh with an opportunity to go three and zero, oh, and I'm excited. Buddy versus the Tigers for the first time in a long. Oh no, I realize it's 2019. Okay, so it's the first time since Rance has officially retired that Buddy Franklin played the Tigers, and I'm excited to see how Richmond's defense handles Buddy and his plethora of forward line friends that he now has. I'm very excited to see that. Uh, game, I think it's going to be the biggest blowout. I was going to go for the dogs and the kangaroos as well, but instead I'll give North Melbourne fans a little bit of a respite, and instead I'll go for the demons to crush the Giants in Canberra or be like the 2013 election result when the coalition crushed Labor Giants supporters Unfortunately, I think you're going to be Labour in that equation. Unfortunately, Melbourne's going to hand you a landslide. You mean the Western Australian election? Oh, that! Oh, goodness gracious! The Western Australian oh, election, you mean? I just, I just, I, I hate the coalition. Why didn't I go with the WA election as a, as an example? Doesn't matter. Point is, Giants are going to lose. It's going to be embarrassing. Giants fans, have you ever thought about maybe being Sydney supporters, Sydney Swan supporters? Maybe you should start following the Canberra Raiders. Maybe. Who knows? Anyways, thank you, MVD, for a very entertaining episode of the Through the Banner podcast. Best luck, best of luck for the Hawks this week. Uh, I never thought I would say this, but I sincerely hope that you beat the Cats. Thanks, Casper. It's going to be an interesting one, at least anyway. And uh, I hope for the sake of the competition that the Swans get awfully close to Richmond. But for the sake of my own tips, I hope they lose. Um, <laughs> but it, yeah, if they can keep straight, they're going to be really good. And Essendon, well, let's just see how they go. Yeah, that's the mentality that us Essendon supporters have to have to have to have to see them. Uh, let's see how we go. Okay, thank you very much, MBT, and thank you, dear listener, for listening to this episode of the Food the Banner podcast. Join me and my co-host next week. Uh, who will it be? I don't know. Find out. Tune in next week to find out who my co-host is going to be. We'll discuss round three. We'll preview round four. It's all happening on the Through the Banner podcast. But for now, 